All right, we're gonna be in 1 Peter today. We're wrapping up our series, all right? 1 Peter 5, um, I believe that's page 590 if you use one of our blue Bibles. Um, but if you've been with us this summer, man, we've been here all summer long. And today, we wish Peter goodbye. Um, so we say goodbye, we, we miss it. We're gonna mourn him today um, as we finish this series. And it's gonna be fun. So this series has been called um, A Sojourner's Guide. And the reason we're calling it a sojourner's guide is because a sojourner is someone who is staying somewhere what? How long is he staying somewhere, a sojourner? Temporarily, yeah. Every week we've said that, and it's been burned into your brain, which is really good. Um, so a sojourner is someone who is staying someplace temporarily. And, and Peter is writing to a group of people dispersed about what is now modern-day Turkey, and he's going, hey, keep your eyes on Jesus. As you live in a world where um, your faith is actually leading you to persecution, to suffering, to pain. Like, keep your eyes on Jesus. He's helping them walk with the posture of Jesus in the midst of suffering trials. And so for us, it's kind of a, a message to us that goes, hey, if you follow Jesus, and at times that makes you feel displaced and not at home, it's because you're not fully home yet. There's there's a gift of salvation. There's like this imperishable, undefiled gift that awaits you in Jesus. So if this doesn't feel like home, it's because it's not. But while you're in this temporary place, this is how you posture your life. That's kind of the, the, the reason that um, Peter is writing. And so um, as we get to these last uh, few verses, verses 10 through 14, Peter's kind of saved his best for last. All right, we're about to read his, like his, his best kind of quick punches for last. If you've ever been to like a fireworks show on the 4th of July, if you were anything like me as a kid, you were always asking, was that the finale? Was that the finale? Was that the finale? Until the finale happened. And then you were like, I don't have to ask right now. I, I understand. Like $17,000 worth of fireworks just happened in four seconds. So I think that was the finale, right? You know what I mean? Like, in the fireworks show, you always save the best for last. This is common. We do this with a lot of things. Like comedians, they always save that last joke that connects joke A, B, C, D, E, and F perfectly. And they like walk off the stage while you're just belly laughing. Like, no, please come back. I'm definitely gonna buy your DVD. I don't buy DVDs anymore because that was 10 years ago, but I'm going to buy something that belongs to you, you know, like that moment, like you just save it all for last. And, and we also do this like with meaningful things. Like if you have a friend that is moving from Nashville, like you so often do in a city like Nashville and your heart's getting broken over and over again. Um, I just met someone. This is your last Sunday here and you're leaving for the summer and you're leaving. Now you're going back to South Carolina. So goodbye. I miss you. Um, so it's so common. But when someone's leaving that you care about, like you don't, your last words to them before they move aren't like, man, did you see the game last night? Like, how's the weather today? It's like, no, you're like, man, let me tell you how much you mean to me, right? Like when someone's passing away in those like final moments, like you talk about the stuff that matters. Like I remember when my grandma was passing away, like man, I was praying for her and telling her how much I loved her and like cared about her. Like you do the meaningful stuff, especially as you're coming to the end, right? And that's what Peter's about to do. He's coming both to the end of a letter and actually to the end of his life relatively soon. He's gonna die a martyr's death for Jesus. And as he's coming to the end of this letter, um, there's this sense that he might not ever write to these people again. And so he's gonna say some really important things as he concludes, okay? Does that make sense? So um, let's read um, verses 10 through 14 and then let's just see, um, yeah, what we can get out of it. So, all right, verse 10. Peter's saying, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanus, if that's how you say Sylvanus's name, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. We're gonna hone in on verses 10 and 11 because verses 12 through 14 are kind of as he's like, just like some personal shout outs as he's concluding the letter. But really at the end of verse 11 is where you get like that, that punch that he's gonna do as he concludes. So um, we're gonna cover like five quick things. But before we even get there, I'm just gonna pray real quick that, that we can just be present for this next 25 minutes as we just un- uncover some really cool things in, in this passage. So um, yeah, if you're comfortable with it, pray with me. Um, God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Dawei. Um, for his story, Lord, for how you are intertwined in all we do, and that life is um, what it is intended to be when we involve you in in our everything, and when we let you be the Lord of our work, um, in our play, and our everything. So thank you, God, for the worship team, and just how um, incredibly talented they are, but how what I get to see behind closed doors, how much they really just want to honor you and love you. Thank you, God, for every single volunteer that makes a Sunday happen. Uh, whether people know this or not, like we don't own this building and people have to come and, and sweat in the early morning a little bit when it's hot and, uh, and set all this up from scratch and then people have to stay after and tear it all down. And I just thank you, God, for the welcome team and the pastoral team and just all the, all the teams that just come around us and just help lift us up. Uh, thank you, God, for everyone that finds himself here today. I believe that we are all here for a reason. Holy Spirit, would you anoint this time and just lead us in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna in some way like blaze through this, all right? Because it's hard to fit five points in like a concise amount of time. So if you're a note taker, um, hopefully I can help you like guide you as we like hit some really cool things somewhat quickly. Um, but the first thing I wanna do is, is kind of look back at verse 10 and uh, there's gonna be five things worth remembering. The first thing is let's remember the character of God, all right? First thing, remember the character of God, all right? I'm gonna read verse 10 and 11 like 17 more times, but verse 10. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, the God of all grace, Okay. So Peter could have used a lot of words here. Like, describe God, all right, in one word. That's, that's quite the challenge, right? He was Jesus's A1 disciple. So he spent three years walking with Jesus, learning from Jesus, the Son of God, direct access to the Father's heart. Jesus had informed him on the character of God. He displayed the wonders of God. So Peter had like the best education and experience possible with Jesus himself, and then he spends the next 30 years making disciples and planting churches. And so he's literally like just in the thick of walking and following after Jesus. And if you've ever had the challenge of, hey, one of your favorite people, describe them in one word, right? That's like a really hard thing to do. Like every now and then, uh, anytime there's a, a birthday in my friend group, we'll end our night. This is a good idea. So if you wanna steal this, please do it. We'll end our night by going, hey, everyone go around, and say one word or one sentence or tell one story about this person, like why you love them, and just encourage them. And so um, if you ever go the one word challenge, it's really hard because you're like, well, I got a lot of words. He's hilarious, funny, comedically humorous, like all funny things, um, uh, uh, genuine, honest, uh, noble. Like, there's all these words, right? But to, to get it all down to one word is kind of hard. But if you can ever do it, that one word can say a lot, right? So if I'm like, man, 
the word I think of when I think of you is like the word humility. It's like, oh man, like in everything you do, I can just see this word and all through your life. And that can be a really powerful thing. Well, Peter does the one word challenge about God to end this letter. And he goes, one word to describe God. He is a God of grace. You cannot outgrace God. You cannot outkindness God. Like God is the inventor of grace and his grace is unending. Peter knew this personally. He watched Jesus, right? Like he walked with Jesus for three years. He watched God deliver unending grace through the life of Jesus. He watched his best friend and his savior like die on the cross in complete humility so that others could come to know the father. He watched him resurrect from the grave. He was there with Jesus on the beach after the resurrection where Jesus goes, hey, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. He literally asked him three times. Why did Jesus do that? Because just a few days earlier, when Jesus was arrested, people had went to Peter and said, don't you know Jesus? And Jesus said, and Peter said, absolutely not. I do not know Jesus. He had just denied his best friend. And then three days later, Jesus resurrects from the dead. He comes to Peter and he gives him grace. He reminds him, hey, do you love me? Yeah, you do. Feed my sheep. Like, I'm not condemning you. Like, you're going to keep going. Peter was like, I know that God is a God of grace. I got to experience it in Jesus. And, and Peter's like, my life testifies of God's grace. And I don't know about you, but my life, Joshua's life, it testifies of the grace of God. Like there are good things that have been bestowed on me. And in a world that can so often find the negative, find the bad thing, find that this still needs to be fixed, like the OCD self that I have that, that always wants things to be perfect can miss this. But my life is a testimony of the unending grace of God. And whether you believe in Jesus or not, I believe that your life, in fact, is a testimony of the grace of God. So Peter's gonna go, hey, one thing to remember, or five things, but first, <laughs> the character of God. He's a God of grace. Secondly, remember your calling. It says, and after you suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. This reminds me of, of chapter one, verses three through five, where he goes, hey, there's this imperishable, undefiled, like eternal salvation that's being prepared for you. He's like, don't forget, like, there is forever happening. Like, remember that moment. And it's really important that he says the eternal glory, that those two words go together, okay? That's important, right? Because if it's eternal and not glorious, it's a whole lot of nothing special, right? If it's just forever and not great, then it's a long time to be not great, right? Um, but if it's just glorious and not eternal, then it's something really special but not a whole lot of it, right? And Peter's gonna go, hey, don't forget this. Your calling into this glory is eternal. This eternal life that you're going to live is gonna be full of glory. He goes, hey, remember, as you're experiencing this life, that in Christ, you have been called to this eternal, glorious calling. Don't forget your calling. This is why Christian funerals can be epic, right? Because we understand Man, this was just but a step, but like a blink of an eye, they have now stepped into their truest reality. They are no longer a sojourner. They are now experiencing the whole reason they were born in the first place. They are in the presence of God. And Peter's gonna go, as this all is going down, remember the eternal glory. I don't know if, if you're tired today or distracted today, but please hear me say this, that is really epic. 
that we get to experience the presence of God for forever. Just a heads up, amazing. All right, keep it moving. Next, remember your calling into eternal glory. Next, remember the context of your suffering. The context of your suffering. I'm gonna read verse 10 again. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you. So remembering that eternal calling, don't forget the context of your current suffering. So if you find yourself today suffering, this isn't always the best thing to hear, but since we understand that our calling is eternal and full of glory, we can take heart in the midst of our suffering because it is temporary. It's so easy to get, to get caught up if you're, if you're like me, when anxious thoughts come, when trial comes, when heartbreak comes. Like some of us have experienced heartbreaking news this year. We cannot wait to get 2018 in our rearview mirror. And it's hard to remember this, but pain is so temporary. It really is. It will go away one day. Like that will be resolved. And no one is better at flipping suffering on its head than God. Like no one turns a cross into an empty tomb quite like Jesus does, right? No one turns wounds into like sanctified scars quite like Jesus does. Like that's the story of God. Like pain is temporary, but Romans 8, 28, anyone who loves God, God causes all things to work together for their good. Anyone who loves God, this is the promise of God. And I don't know about you, but some of the things, some of the wounds that we're experiencing, we will not see resolved on this side of heaven. Like when we're made a new creation, it will be resolved. But some of our things right now testify of the temporary nature of pain and how God can even use that pain to display his wonder and his glory. It's something special he does. I don't know about you, but I know that all throughout my story, some of my most painful moments are also the moments that testify of the redeeming, amazing character that God has. Like some of my darkest hours have given me the softest heart and the most empathy and the ability to give the most grace to people because God showed grace to me in my darkest hour, if that makes sense. So Peter's gonna go, hey, as you're suffering, as you're discouraged, if you're hurting, if you can relate to that, if in this season you're heartbroken and you're scared or you're doubting or you're anxious, Peter's gonna go, hey, don't forget, this is temporary. It really is a little while. Right now it might feel like the longest season of your life, but suffering is for a little while. But the eternal glory of your calling, that will never stop. The glory and the wonder of God is forever and always yours. That is yours to grab hold of, which is super, super cool. So remember the context of your suffering. Remember God's commitment, all right? God's commitment. Let's keep reading. God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God is going to make something beautiful out of you. You are already fearfully and wonderfully made and he's not done with you yet. It's like, this is the best time in Nashville to find an old house and to refurbish it, right? To make it look beautiful. This is the time to move into a street, find an old house, buy it, renovate it, and sell it for more, right? It's happening all the time. 
That's kind of what God is like with us, except he's better at it. Bad example. Anyway, I, I, went into one of those, I went into one of those refurbished houses one time and there was like, you know those little outlets, but they don't actually have the plug in. It's just like a blank thing. And it makes you think it's leading to something. And we took it off and it was leading to absolutely nothing. That was a bad example of someone refurbishing a house. Anyway, God doesn't do a bad job with refurbishing your life. Um, okay, I'm gonna fix that for the 11. Uh, that was not good. Um, I will change that. God has made a commitment and he is not handing off that commitment to someone else. He is not handing off that responsibility to someone else. God has made it his personal commitment to restore, to confirm, to strengthen, and to establish you. Like You are not yet your best self and God loves you so much, but the wounds and the brokenness and the things in us that we wish would get better, like God has promised, whether it's in this life or the next, he will totally and fully restore your life. You can bank on that. He will satisfy every craving your heart has. He will do that. He will restore and establish you. Remember God's commitment to you. And lastly, what is God's compensation in all of this? What does God get out of all this? Because so far, we're just recipients of really, really epic things, which I'm okay with. What does God get? Verse 11, to him be the dominion forever and ever, amen. God gets to demonstrate his sovereignty and his power and his glory forever and ever. And scripture says that one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and we will praise his name. God will get to be in his right place with all creation, which is really, really cool. I've heard people say this. I don't know if you've heard this before, but I've heard it said, man, when I get to heaven, God's gonna have some explaining to do. I've got some questions for him. I'm like, when you get to heaven, his glory and grace is gonna hit your face so hard, your only response is gonna be to get on your knees and sing his name. That's what's gonna happen. Like his glory and grace and love is gonna knock you to your knees so quick you won't know what happened. That's all that's gonna happen. Like, like one day we will see just how great God is and just how not God we are. Like that'll happen. I was watching the video this week about God's holiness and they compared it to the sun. I thought this was really cool, kind of scary. Um, but it talked about the sun and how you can talk about the sun and think about what you want about the sun. Like, you can think whatever you want, but the closer you get to the sun, the more your body has to submit to the sun's power. <laughs> like, it's just how it is. You can think what you want, have whatever opinion you need to have, believe what you need to believe. Like, you can think the sun is flat. I haven't heard the flat sun theory, only the flat earth theory, I don't know. But once you get to the sun, the sun is going to let you know what the sun is, right? No matter what you believe, right? In the same way, like God's glory, his grace is that way. He is an all-consuming fire, and when you go into his presence, your only response can be to submit to his glory and his power. And what's so cool about that somewhat intimidating picture, right, that there is, this, there is this being that I have to fully surrender to, whether I like it or not, is that the power he moves in is a power of love and of grace and of welcome, my beloved. Enter your reward for those in Jesus. So cool. So what does God get out of all this? Like, he gets to be God, and he gets to get praise from his creation that he created to know him and to love him, which is really, really, really cool. So Peter wraps up this letter. Let's recap the five things I told you we were gonna really hit it. Let's remember God's character, that word grace, his, the calling, that eternal glory, the context of our suffering, 
the commitment that God has made to restore us and the compensation, just because we needed a fifth C there, right? Compensation isn't my favorite word there, but needed a C. All right. Um, so character, calling, context, commitment, compensation. So what do we do with this? What does this mean for us? First of all, I think it's really important that we notice that these last few words are, in verse 10, there's this key phrase, to his eternal glory, quote, in Christ. This is for anyone and everyone that is in Christ. Jesus says, there's no way to the Father but through me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. So I think the first thing that we do with this passage is we ask ourselves, are we in Christ? Like, do we follow Jesus? Have we made Jesus our Lord and our Savior? Like, because that's who he is. And so if this passage sounds good, if it sounds good to live into eternal glory, if it sounds good to be made new, to be strengthened, to be established, like, it's a very simple ask. Like, follow Jesus. Like, declare him Lord over your life. So that's first and foremost. Like, this is for those who are in Christ. But secondly, I think this is really powerful. I think there's a really strong invitation for Christians here. So if you come here today and you identify as a follower of Jesus, this is really powerful, or at least to me it's very powerful. I hope it is to you. All right, this letter from Peter was written to people suffering. And if you'll notice throughout the whole letter, he is not training them to insulate themselves from the big bad world. He is not training them on how to protect themselves. He's training them how to keep the posture of Jesus in the midst of suffering. He is not telling you to run and hide. He's actually giving them security as children of God so that they can go out boldly and bravely. Like if you go back to chapter three, that's what it's all about. If your spouse is a non-believer, if your emperor is a non-believer, here's how you display the wonders of God. You don't hide, you don't run because you are wrapped in glory, because this is only temporary. Please, my brother, my sister, like go for it. Display Jesus. There was a story that someone on the pastoral team told me about this week when they were talking about the teaching. It's so powerful, so I stole it, and I stole a lot of things for this sermon because they gave me permission to because it was so good. Talked about this guy named Sean White. You know that like ginger snowboarder? That guy, he can do all the flips. Does everyone know who Sean White is? He's a snowboarder for the USA. All right, thank you for the, thank you. Um, so he was uh, doing the half pipe, and I just realized why they call it that. It's literally just like a half of a pipe. It's not a circle, it's like a U. Anyway, he's going down it, and he's doing all these flips and tricks, and they get scored on it, and you get to do two runs in the Olympics, you get two runs. And his first run was so epic that he won the gold medal before he even had to go for a second try. So he was in a pretty good spot, right? He's just standing at the top and he waits and the, guy, the, the only guy that could beat him went right before him. And so he sees the scores and he realizes before he starts his run, he has won. That he could literally unsnap his snowboard and just body slide the whole way down the half pipe and just go, <laughs> I'm still the gold medalist. Like I still won after making a fool out of myself, right? Couldn't know whatever he wanted. Instead, what he does is he, he lands this trick. I don't know what it's called. I didn't take time to look that up. He did like three or four spins and a flip and a twist and all this weird stuff, and he landed it. And it was the first time in Olympic history that that trick had ever been landed. This is this really cool moment. Sean White had the security of the gold medal. He knew, I am first. It is over. Then he had the freedom to take his boldest and riskiest move. Why? He was already the gold medalist. Nothing to lose here. Go big or go home with a gold medal. <laughs> like, that's, that's it, right? I think so often we forget this 
As Christian people, if you are a follower of Jesus, if that's how you identify, Peter has written this letter to go, hey, keep your eyes on the glory of heaven, on Jesus. Remember the imperishable, undefiled, never-ending salvation that is yours, that is in store for you. The kingdom of heaven is yours. What are you going to do with your life now that that is your permanent reality? You've got gold. Land the spinny, flippy, twisty thing. Go for it. Like, go all out for Jesus. Live into your reality. You are a son and a daughter of God. You are good. This life, hey, this life, hey, this life is temporary. The pain will pass. The houses will rust. The cars will go away. But the kingdom of God is forever. Like, Instagram will not always be an app. Don't worry about Instagram so much. Like, your job won't always be a thing. Like, don't worry about your job so much. Like, and all these things are important. I don't want to discredit those. But it's just like, hey, you're children of God. Invest in the eternal. What is keeping you from that? Like, your identity is a son or daughter of God. And you're in church today. Let's worship our faces off today. Like, go around, dance and stuff. Go out into the city of Nashville. God, what do you have for me there? Because I'm your child. And my inheritance is immovable. It's not going anywhere. I'm in good shape here. So I would just like ask, I think Peter's asking of the Christians here, like even in the midst of suffering, how does the security of your inheritance, of your calling, enable you to move empowered as people of Jesus? How do you put your stock in the kingdom of God? So um, as we go to communion, I just love to ask you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, what is keeping you from giving it all to Jesus? I think this is a good question for, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's a great question. It's like, oh, hey, what's keeping you from that? Like, just, just think about that. And if you are a Christian, like, there's always more, right? Like, there's always like, oh, there's this thing that I've been holding on. And Jesus wants to give you life if you'll hand it to him. And so if you're a Christian in the room, I really want to invite you during this time of communion, just ask yourself, man, if this is my, if this is my security, this is my calling, what in my life, and get specific, right? It's like fear, fear of what? what? Fear of what's going on? Like, what's the thing that is keeping me from giving it all to Jesus? And just take some time to think about that this morning and just pray over it and know that God is very cool about being very gracious and very kind and walking with you as you grow and you continue to hand him over things. He will continue to replace the things you hand off with like life and life abundantly. That's the promise of John 10, 10. So I'm gonna pray over us. We're gonna communion. Thanks for hanging with me. I know that, that was like a kind of a rapid approach, um, but I hope that you're encouraged and, uh, and I hope you take some time. But for the next like five minutes, we're gonna play some music and just think, man, what's, what's keeping me? But now what's holding me back from really investing in, in the kingdom of God since that's my inheritance? So let's pray. Um, God, thank you so much for this word. And um, really, I just wanna thank you for the teaching team this week that really helped give me so much of this, and I just feel like you just anointed our team, and um, just thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for this word in, in First Peter. God, just help us. Help us, please, Lord, help us. We, um, there are so many voices calling for our attention in our life, and, and Jesus, I don't feel like you're trying to compete with those voices. You're not going to try to yell the loudest. Um, we get to choose you, and Lord, you help us in this next five minutes even. Would you help us to be introspective, to like search our heart? Lord, will you just bring to the surface, hey, what, what is, what's hindering me from, from living into the ways and the words and the works of Jesus? Um, so Lord, will you just help us in this, in this time? 
Love you in Jesus' name. Amen.